Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Oh, goodness. Such goodness. Do you love the Word? I love the Word. Let's just thank Him for the Word for a minute. I love your Word. I love your Word. I love your Word. So thankful. Train me by your Word. Listen, if you want to be known as anything in your life, you should want it be known that you are a person of His Word. So let's do some words, shall we? Yes. I, I love the Word. Um, I just love the Word. I just want you to know. Y'all know I love the Word, right? I love the Word. Did I mention that already? I am... Um, I'm going to continue talking about our, our current subject, which is stewarding abundance. How many have, since we're talking about it and highlighting it, has anybody seen any abundance in your life that you just didn't recognize before, maybe? You know, we become what we behold. You know, we have this art school going on, and the one thing I asked of them was just to become saturated in the worship of one life because I have literally seen people's lives transformed through prophetic worship. And, you know, when you become, I mentioned it on Sunday, that it is a saturation problem, right? Because I, whether we know it or not, the battles of our life create an outflow from us. Have you ever battled in your mind? That's just miserable, isn't it? Yeah. Like you're not even doing anything. Hop, skipping along in life, just eating your ice cream, and all of a sudden, bam, right? Yeah. Some thought comes up that you're like, and it's, where's it from? It's no, where is it from? It's from the past. It's always from the past. Because the enemy would love to make your past be your future. How many have a past? Look, I almost had 100% participation. Not quite, so clearly. It's a small, small goal I have. But we all have a past. How many have a bad past? We all have that. <laughs> so that's that's common to the human condition. We call that being, I just call it being human. It's what my mind dwells on about the past. You know, in in Abraham's day, um, Lot's wife, her name was Lottie. I don't know if you know that. I'm sure it was Lottie Jr. too. She was a no-name person. Salt was her name. She, she looked back towards something in her past that God said wasn't going to exist anymore. Isn't that a great analogy of what salvation is? Yeah. Once you come into the kingdom, you accept Jesus, you, you repent, you begin to live as a follower of Jesus. See, only the followers of Jesus get to do the stuff Jesus did. People try to do the stuff Jesus did that aren't Jesus' followers. They don't fail because God's instructions were wrong. 
they fell because it was the revelation they weren't really following him. Because if I'm a follower of Jesus, he said, these things will follow you. And so part of this abundance, I'm going to talk about it a little bit, is his fullness. And let's, let's look at a couple of scriptures. I think on your handout, again, the handouts are back there on the wall if you need a handout. Uh, Ephesians 3, it's a scripture I had in there. Let's look at it, shall we? It says, uh, in the, I'm going to read it in the Passion. It says, you will be empowered to discover. Do you like discovery? Anybody? God designed that in you. Did you think it was just you? Like, we're all, listen, we're all searching. Even if you think you decided to not search anymore, you're still searching. Because what, cause what's in us? We have a desire to not be losers. We have a desire to find happiness. Right? Right? And so he said, you will be empowered... You have to read 17 to figure out how, but we're not talking about that right now. To discover what every holy one experiences. So this is telling me that Jesus' followers have this experience, right? The great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. Again, a nice little key is that Christ's love, Jesus' love is dimensional. Right? What does that mean? That means... <laughs> that means if I discover Him on this level, there's some height to that. There's some width to that. There's some depth to that. There's some angles. There's some dimensions about it. Right? It's not just one dimensional. So this is a, an astonishment. It says right there. How deeply intimate, far-reaching is His love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. Oh, how we need that. Have you ever tried to understand love? That's a weird pursuit, isn't it? Really, I think what we're doing was we're trying to find someone to love us. Right? right? Why are we looking for love? Looking for love and all that. Why are we looking? We always look for love in the wrong place until we know Jesus. See, that's the interesting part of the discovery of Jesus change, changes what love looks like. Yes. Yes. Wow. You know, I had this thought today that when Jesus hung on the cross, it said that, am I good? Um, when Jesus hung on the cross, it said that they stabbed him in the side with a spear, right? And does anybody know what they said come out of his side? Blood and water. So I was thinking about this little twist today for us, that when I'm filled with this fullness, because it's a lot, that when I'm pierced, what pierces me? Just people being people. Has someone you ever liked a lot hurt you? Why? 
why do why does human beings hurt human beings? Again, it's the human condition because we don't know how to love well. We can even want to love well and not be good at it. Right? Agreed? And so then when someone has an expectation of us, especially when we've said some really crazy things out of our mouth, I will love you forever. (laughs) How many of you, you know, I'm 60. I've had a few of those. Forever came to an end. And I had to do something with my expectation of forever when forever ended early. Right? And so I was thinking about when he fills me, he's really filling me with the fullness of him, not with the fullness of me. I already have me. So when I'm wounded, let me give you a little twist. When I'm pierced in the side, hurt, wounded, he comes out of me. Can you see that at all? Can you see, can you make the transition that I want to get to the place that even when people hurt me, his love comes out of me? Listen, it's easy to be mad when somebody hurts you. We think we deserve to be mad. But it's really our expectations that got dashed. Come on, help me out. The girls told me they were going to start running around the room, so, you know, it, it might cut loose at any moment. It says, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measure that transcends our understanding, this extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. That word fullness in the Greek is riches. One of the words it means is riches. What are the riches of God himself? Just think for a minute. Y'all want to think about God with me for a minute? What's the best thing about God to you? There's no wrong answer. Mercy. Why mercy for one person? Because what? They needed mercy. They discovered in God what they needed. What's something else you love about God? Huh? Joy. Why, why, what is joy? It does good like a medicine. Do you want medicine or joy of the Lord? And where do you find this medicinal joy? In his presence. So see, something God is. Did you need joy in your life? Why? There was the not happy going on over here. So what did he meet up with her to give her? The thing that was missing. Think about God. What is your favorite thing about him? He's meeting up with you to fill you with the fullness of that need you have. To what? It says right there, to the overflowing in the fullness of God. God's fullness is not human fullness. 
I will fail. You will fail. Let's don't set each other up to fail by placing on expectations of humans that are really something that comes from God. Let's treat humans like humans should be treated. Not capable of being God. Don't you hate it when you know you're in a relationship with someone and they're trying to get something from you that you know only God could do for them? It feels like they have a black hole. Because every time you try to put something in it, you can't even, there's no, you can't even see what you just did. It, poof, it goes away. Why? Because the emptiness comes from they are not filled with the fullness of God. God is incapable of not giving you his fullness when you ask him. He doesn't do 10%. Come on, extroverts. This should make you happy because we're all or nothing. Come on. We're just, come on. We're 110% and everything. There's no limit. This should make you really happy. If I don't feel the fullness of God, it's an invitation to an experience. God's not like sitting up there going, you got to really work for it. Really work. Really show me you want me. Show me you want me. Show me you want me. Show me. He's the one standing at the door. <laughs> just, just knocking, 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 knocking. Have you heard him knocking? He never quits knocking. See, I love that visual when I know someone's not serving God and I see him at their door. Does he never? You know, we didn't have any candy on th- on Halloween, and we live in a neighborhood where the candy people came by, the wanters. You know them. The wanters came by, and we're just sitting there, just five feet from the front door, and the door rings, and the dogs go crazy, and we just all just sit there. But one of us. Caved. I'm going to look over at her. She had to go explain. Even though we didn't have our light on. Of course, you couldn't tell we didn't have our light on because it's covered with bugs. But you, even though, but, they're, but they just kept coming. We didn't have a candy sign out. We didn't have a light on because they were wanting. Jesus wants you. You can ignore him. (laughs) He will just keep knocking and keep coming and keep knocking and keep coming and keep knocking and keep coming. Because he wants to fill you with the fullness of him. So then everything that you can ever think of that you need. He has it. In abundance. It says it right there. This extravagant love pours into you. Remember I said the other day, it's like that fire hose. Have you ever stood in front of a fire hose, anybody? It's powerful. This love is more powerful than that. It'll strip the clothes right off of you, man. (laughs) This is powerful love. 
all your defenses, all your self-protection, all your weird mindsets, all of it. All the stuff that, why this? Why that? Why did that happen? Why is it round? Why is it square? All the questions we have eclipsed in the love. And I love verse 20. Don't doubt. Never doubt. Turn to your neighbor and say, never doubt. God's, God's mighty power to work that in you and accomplish it. Is that on you or him? He just said right there. All we have to do is open the door. The water comes in. Gets our candy. He just comes in. He, this is his, this is what he's doing as a job. He is in pursuit of you to pour out his amazing love that you probably have barely tasted of. If, if you're sitting here tonight and you feel pain from your past, you have not tasted this overwhelming love of God yet. You maybe just got a little... You know, I we cook, and Lynn doesn't like anything. And so she hates ranch, and everybody else that... I know, it's shocking. Her daughter doesn't like it either. I think they have an injury. They need a ranch sozo. <laughs> but we make homemade ranch because we love it so. And so she's always wanting me to taste it. Well, I probably have chocolate in my mouth. And so when she comes to want me to taste it, I don't know if you know this, I have discovered, maybe you didn't know this, ranch and chocolate, they don't go together. So when I taste the ranch, I say, oh, that is terrible. But later, on my little salad, I say, is this the same ranch? That's the love of God. When I have bitterness and offense pre-rejected, when the love of God comes, I don't know. I don't know if I like the taste of that love, but he's unrelenting. This God of mine is so cool because he will never quit. That's what he said. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. What is your greatest? Let's think about God for a minute. What are you asking of him? I remember when I was like, oh, can I just have a pair of shoes? Come on. And then he gave me shoes. And then, oh, if I could just have one of those cool worship shirts. And then I got a cool worship shirt. <laughs> What's your greatest request? See, I had to move from asking for stuff to asking for hearts. My greatest request is the nations. People are nations. That you would be transformed into the light of who He is. That you would be filled with the same fullness that fills me so that you would know that you're filled. So then when the things of life pierce you and harm you, because they're going to. Because you have an enemy. You didn't even know you signed up to be at war. Remember whenever you thought, oh, I can just stick my head in the sand. 
I don't have to be at war. You're at war. You're at war for what you believe. There's all kinds of beliefs being presented, but it's the word that says what to believe. See, the greatest thing you can do for yourself is you can say, I will believe what he said I can be. I may not be good at it. It's my favorite line right now. I may not. Let's just get a shirt. I may not be good at it, but I'm going to do what Jesus said. And guess who we get to practice on? He, he gave us the chance to practice on people. We were practicing other stuff. We were practicing control. We were practicing coercion. We were practicing our pre-rejected self. He will achieve infinitely, verse 20, more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream. Isn't it weird when we think we have a big dream and we discover after we get a little older it was God's all along? We always just dream of being out of pain until we realize (laughs) His love surpasses pain. Have you tasted of that yet? Your most unbelievable dreams and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. So it says, verse 21, now we offer up to God all the praise that rises from every church in every generation. That's why. That's why we're praising him. Because I'm filled with something that needs to cry out. There's not enough words to describe but I need to. Have you ever had something that you really liked? Maybe it was a person, I don't know, or a thing, or a car. Anybody into cars in here? Anybody? Oh, great. You know, I like my car. You know, when I was eight, my dad taught me to drive a stick shift. We know, this is the 1800s, so there was no other cars on the road, just this one. And And so we would go driving, you know, I had really long legs. I looked taller, so, you know, I looked 16. And we would go driving, and I wasn't able to shift and keep my head above the steering wheel, so I'd slide down, shift, and come back up. So he'd have to help me steer during that process. And so he had three Volkswagens, and they never would start. I don't know why we kept buying those, but here I am in a Volkswagen again. But what he would do was when he couldn't start it, he would have me come out, and I'm just a little tot, and yep, and, and he would push it while I would pop the clutch and we had start it. Well, my dad was fun, so then we would just have to kind of drive around a little bit just because we did it, right? And my mom one time was looking for me, and he had come into the house for something, and he, she, <laughs> she said, where's Teresa? And he said... She's out in the parking lot. We live next door to a, a, a doctor's clinic, driving circles in the parking lot. So see, that's I. He was an adventurer, right? And so when I think about that car and I think about my car now, I have a lot of description about. It. I have a lot of stories about it. And see, that's 
the experience that God is trying to give you with his love, where it becomes the story you talk about, not your stuff. It's fun to have stuff, but that I am intimately acquainted with the facets of God and the dimensions of his love. So when someone tells me something that's going on with them, I'm like, but wait, I've tasted of God. I have this experience with God. And look, this is what that means. Look, this is what that dream means. Look, this is what that means. So that they have a way to connect what's going on inside them to what God is trying to do through them. God will never stop doing this. Ever. This is something about God that humanity can't function without. What, what is the one thing that we all are doing right now? Where did you get it? Think about it. Just think about your breath for a minute. I think a lot about my breath. If you've ever had anxiety, you think a lot about your breath. Has anybody ever had anxiety where you can't breathe? All you want is breath. You're just like, please, where, where is it? I'm not, I, I, let me just propose to you. I've dealt with anxiety before. Anxiety comes from the inability to connect God to the situation I'm worried about. And see, since he made my breath, then he made me to, it's, it's in abundance. Like you don't go to the store tomorrow. You don't go up to Walmart and hook yourself up. Right? <laughs> to the breathalyzer. <laughs> to the breath machine. Do you? No. You wake up and you, you are confident that you will have it in the morning. You, in fact, you're so confident you don't ever think about it. Unless you're anxious. Then we're trying to get back something that's in abundance, but it's the proof that something else is in more abundance than his breath, which is my fear. We should say, oh, well, thank you, God. Now I realize why I'm having this, because I've got something in your place where your abundance can't flow through me because his promise was that his peace he would leave with me. Have you ever been peaceful? Are you thinking about breathing then? When you're anxious, you're thinking about breathing. That tells you it's the absence of peace. It's the abs absence of Him. Now, it, when I have anxiety, I have to do something about it. Right? I remember the first time I had it, and I was like, what is this? I don't even know what it is. We are in an epidemic of anxiety in the world. It's a thing. Because... We have beheld the narrative of the enemy and it scared the, you know what, out of us. And as I behold it and hear about it and talk about it and regurgitate it and rehearse it and I see it here and I see it there and it's broadcasted everywhere. You can't see a movie that there's not a hidden narrative. Then I begin to displace his love with a way to live in a world that's going crazy. But see, his promise in his fullness that he's trying to fill you with, if I'm full of him, the world's little nugget 
can't move me. That's why in this season of this epidemic, if we are not fully saturated, I'm just telling you, it's a saturation problem. There is going to be something that happens in your life. Not because you're a bad person, but because you have an enemy that's come to kill, steal, and destroy. He's a robber. What, what does it feel like to be afraid of being robbed of peace? That position of my heart that doesn't experience the saturation of his fullness cannot function well in this world because there is an assault on your mind. And that's why you have to be super careful. I mean, if you're fully saturated, watch what you want. You won't want to then, but see, we fill our minds because we're lazy with stuff that actually creates more anxiety. And then we want God to come and we want him to remove it when really it's just what I beheld. I just became it. It says that's why you have to be intentional. Think about it. Children are ill-equipped to pick what music they should listen to. It's so dangerous that we allow them to listen to anything. But it's the same dangerous if you live before them filled with anxiety and stress. It's the same thing. We can point the religious people are like, yeah, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. But yeah, are you living and demonstrating his presence all the time? It's the same thing. And so we can't have the excuse that we don't know how because he just said he would do it. You don't know how. What would you do to get the fullness of God? Hold your right arm up, left arm down. I don't know. What would you do? You just open the door and you just position yourself to receive. It's not hard. We really want to work for it so we can have the formula created that says, okay, I, let me go look at my Apple note. Yes, I see right here at 9.50. I need to raise my hands. 9.50. We do. I'm serious. We do that. We have this formula that we want. And that's not how it comes. It comes with when I say I need you. I'm opening the door to you because he's doing this. Listen, he's doing that every second of your life. Listen, it doesn't end. Even after you accept Jesus, he's still at the door knocking because you closed it. He wants us to have this freedom to live there. Right? He wants to live there in his abundance in your life, fill you to the overflowing of him so that you can do the thing he called you to do on earth so he can reward it. He is a rewarder. That's God's nature. And see, God did a foolproof system. Right? See, I love this. God changed my life when I realized He was a rewarder. And so all I had to do is learn His ways. And since I'm human, I'm a sheep, then then he knew I wouldn't be able to do it without him. Right? And so what he did was, if you find yourself an orphan, if you find yourself alone, he'll make a family for you. And if it's a good family, 
if it's a prophetic family, they won't let you live stupid. They'll keep knocking. Won't they check? They'll keep knocking. They may say the same thing four billion times because there's no exit strategy. The only goal is transformation. And see, when you know God's standard, you don't have to adjust. You just keep saying it, keep saying it, keep saying it, keep saying it until something, how many have had this happen? Something in you begins to say, well, I'm living so stupid. (laughs) I don't even have to live this way. Anybody done that yet? What was I thinking and doing? I was self-protecting and self 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 and on everyone. And people are going, oh, oh, I'll move out of the way until you get done with self. And then you yield. It's just like breaking a horse. Your soul is just that way. Out there, home on the range, free, 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 roaming and, right? But that wasn't the purpose of your life. For you to randomly do random things, random days, random ways, whenever you wanted, and then say that's a good life. There's a God, there's a creator, there's a standard, there's a way. And there's a blessing. And so, listen, I think think this subject is, is about as fullness is something to expand in your life. I gave you just a few tiny little nuggets there. Do you see? I just said, you know, his presence, his voice, his love, his peace. But... Do this exercise. Will you do this exercise? Think of God. And think of what you need from Him. That's just the beginning stage. But I still do that. I needed something from Him today. You know, today wasn't... I wouldn't put it in the good day category for me. But His fullness was enough to be just a shadow where you, maybe years and years ago, the day I had today would turn into a couple days, into a three-day, right? Anybody know that, yeah. that cycle? Yeah. But not today. Today, His fullness filled me. The fullness of who He was. You know, right before <clears throat> we had dinner today, we sang this little thing. Ro and I did about your name is like honey, so sweet to speak. And I can tell you that no matter what I'm going through, I've learned to say Jesus. I've learned to taste his name in my mouth. I don't know if you've been there yet. But his name, because I know the fullness of me being able to say his name relationally. The fullness of who he is has become something has become something that means something to me. 
And so when I say Jesus, you know, I was, I was nine and I went to church camp one time. And you old timers in here have heard this story more than once. But we were playing softball and I was little. I was a little skinny thing. And I was standing behind home plate. I was about to bat. You know, we were professional baseball players at church camp. Anybody ever played ball at church camp? That's an ugly mess, isn't it? I was standing in some macho, macho man. Yeah, that decided he would sling from center field a rocket to get somebody out at home plate. And Missy probably was at home plate as the catcher. I don't know. And she missed the ball, and the ball hit me in the stomach. And I, I fell down, and all I remember for the next hour or two was just saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. My mom came running from, you know, where she was, right? She was in the food tent cooking, you know. Egg surprise. I know. It's the first egg surprise. And she came, and later that week she said, why did you keep, where did you learn to say the name Jesus? And I said, from you. His name is like honey. That's what we need to learn. It's teaching the next generation, teaching ourselves, our little orphan boys and girls inside. And his name is like honey. And he'll fill us to his fullness. Come on, Cece. Thank you, Tisa. Wow. One of my favorite topics, his fullness, all that he is. You know, um, Tisa's message tonight reminded me of something that's been on my heart today. Um, and on a larger topic for quite a while. Um, as she said that um, God called her into ministry because God had been given a, a bad name and she wanted to set that record straight. And I find myself feeling the same way about um, the things that have misrepresented God. And I've mentioned it here before that there are things that have been said that would be even um, qualify as positive comments about God or positive comments about the Christian life that have given God a bad name because they don't accurately represent the Christian walk. And it leads to people being disappointed and feeling mad at God and all of that. And so I'm going to tie that together with my other point here. But I've been listening to this little teaching about um, the story of the nation of Israel. And it's basically a Bible study. And this um, teacher asked a very interesting question. He was talking about the point of time in history where Israel had been, the people Israel had been given their land, okay, which was their inheritance from God, but they'd been kicked out of their land because of all the stuff they'd done wrong. And so they were scattered over all the earth, it says. And in the Bible, I don't even know the exact verse, but oh, while, so they're scattered all over the earth and God is saying, uh, my people live in all these different parts and they profane my name. And so he asked the question, what did they do that profaned his name, 
So it gave God a bad name, right? Well, there's lots of stuff that you could pick apart by what they were doing wrong. You know, they worshiped idols. They married people they weren't supposed to marry. There's all the stuff, right? Maybe they didn't follow all the Ten Commandments and all of that obvious stuff. But he said something really interesting. They were known as God's people. He attached his name to them as a people group. And that's the same for us, okay, now, after Jesus. And so he attached his name to a people group, and he said, this is your land. But they weren't living in the land. So the greatest act of the, the way that they're profaning God's name is that they claimed to be God's people, but they weren't living in the land that he'd given them. Can you connect the dots there? They weren't living in what he provided them. They were living elsewhere. And, and God said, they profane my name because, in other words, they don't represent me well. They're giving me a bad name because they're living in some other territory when I've actually given them this other thing. So they're misrepresenting me. And that's one of the things exactly that has happened with the religious spirit and with the religion of Christianity. We've gotten people have gotten it so wrong and it's caused people to act like they're perfect. And because you're going to give God a bad name if you don't act perfect, if you don't act like you have it all together, if your family's not perfect, if you don't, if aren't successful in your job, you can't tell anybody you're falling on hard times because you might give God a bad name because God's supposed to do all this stuff for you, you know, just make all this stuff happen for you because he's a good God. That's a false representation of his name. It's a false representation of who he is. What Tisa shared tonight is the best representation of his name, living in what he provided. It's not land, but it's a lot more than land. It's the very fullness of who he is, as she talked about. There's joy, there's peace, there's patience, there's all of that, all of that he provides. Living out of that, making that your home, gives God the best name. It paints the best, accurate picture for God on this earth. And so when we talk about covering the earth with the knowledge of how we know him, it's this. It's saying, man, I had this tragedy happen, but I have joy where there was sorrow. I was healed of this illness. You know, I'm in process. I'm not perfect, but he's sustaining me and he gives me hope and he gives me courage and he's leading me along the way. I'm far from perfect, but God, but the fullness of God is something that I feast on all the time and I live on. I claim it as mine. In Romans, it says that he, that is our inheritance as children of of God. Let me read it to you. Well, that's so cool. So this is, um, it's in Romans 8. I'm going to start up in verse 16 or 15. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never, never feel orphaned for as he rises up within us our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection beloved father for the holy spirit makes god's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being you are god's beloved child now, this is the great part here for tonight's message and since we are his true children Okay, just like Israel was a representation in the old time. They were the original, his children. Now we get enfolded into that. 
as believers. Since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. It's not doesn't even just say we're heirs of all that God has and all of God's stuff. Like not we're not going to get it when he dies. Like no, we're, you know, we are heirs of who he is, the fullness of him. We and since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. And it goes on and on. Romans 8 is one of the best chapters of all time, I'm sure. It's hard to say that about the Bible because everyone you read is the best, you know, but it's so good. So good. But I just want to entreat you to say that it's it's being real in your humanity. It's one of the very first things that I I um, told Tisa I loved about hers because she was so good at being human and testifying of what God could do with somebody who was just real in their humanity. She would tell you she's not perfect. She's not trying to be perfect. But that's what testifies of God's grace, greatness. That's what attracted me to this church was to say, oh, you're telling me I can be everything God says that I am. I can receive from everything that he said I could have from him. I could walk in power. I could walk in freedom. I could live out of this place of peace. I could invite other people on the journey and I could fulfill my purpose. And I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to come from the perfect family. I don't have to have all my ducks in a row. I, my life doesn't have to look a certain way in order for God to be God and for me to be his daughter. And that is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. And Tisa would love nothing more than if we were just to walk in all that, walk in that same thing, be real about where we're at, be real about our flaws, the things that have us hung up in that moment, but say, I don't know anything about this and I am tangled up beyond belief on this topic, but man, I am running to the word. I'm running to Papa. I'm running to Jesus and I'm going to feast on him. And I don't know what it's going to look like. And I don't know what the exact solution is, but I know when I go to him, I'm going to receive something. I'm going to receive something because receive something because he is full of everything and he has everything that I need. So just by being in his presence, I will receive something for my predicament and my current circumstance. And by doing that, we give God the best name and we represent him most accurately on this earth. So, Papa, I just want to say thank you that it's in this season of time that you are unraveling the mysteries, that the things that have confused Christians in the past that have actually led to them making up rules and, and visions about you and giving off impressions of you that weren't right. But this is the time in life where you're unraveling those things and you're unveiling those things that seemed like a mystery to us. To us. You're making your word clear. You're making your heart clear. You're putting people in our path to make God's love clear to us. You're redefining his love and all of the fullness of all that 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 you have in you for us to receive so i thank you i just am filled with gratitude to be alive today to be among this generation who you decided to pour out this goodness on so i thank you for testifying from the mountaintops from shouting it over us as we go throughout our day and putting it in our dreams and just testifying over and over and over of all that you are are rushing towards us that you want to give us, that you are eager for us to just simply receive. So I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you bow down 
you bow down in so many ways to just make it accessible to us, to pour yourself out. We don't have to do it right. We don't even have to say a magic word. We don't have to pray just the right prayer. We just come with a hungry heart and, and an authentic desire to be fathered by you and to be loved by you. We don't have to call it anything else but love. I need your love. I know it has everything. So I thank you, Papa, for making this message be a lifeline for people hearing this message, that you that it instills hope in them, that it, it lights a spark and it fans it into flame to something that will give them courage and give them hope. So even when they don't have answers and they don't even know what we're talking about just yet, they will know that there's something that's coming their way and they would look and be eager to receive it. And they would welcome you with open arms as their encounters continue to come. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, for making this a personal message, a personal um, night tonight. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for making it personal. We love that you are so personal with us. So seal it up tightly, protect it from anything that would try to rob, rob them of this goodness. And we just say thank you, thank you, thank you for the fullness of all that you are and that you are so eager to share the all of you with us in every single way. We love you, we love you, we love you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay